time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. I want to get right to the word tonight. I don't, we're not going to be here for forever. I just have, I just want to kind of start off this, this idea and this, this series of more than a song. And I'll kind of explain to you how the title kind of works in. But I want us to go right to the scripture tonight. Um, John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24. So John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Before we get to the word, I just want to honor a couple guests that we have in the house tonight. Augustine isn't a guest. Everybody knows and loves Augustine. Our friends, but he's brought two guys home with him from Oral Roberts University, which I love ORU, graduated from ORU. Many of you are planning on going to ORU. I'm just prophetically speaking over it. Many of you are going to go to ORU. You're going to have your lives changed. But just let's just all give it up for Jesse and James. That's their real names, like the person Jesse. We love you guys. Good to have you guys in town from Tulsa, Jerusalem, as we call it, the city with a thousand megachurches and more. So both those guys are worship leaders who are with Augustine. So Augustine does the praying, they do the singing and the playing, and they make a great team, right? <laughs> Something like that. Cool. So let's go to John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. It says, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. Everybody say the time is coming. When it will no longer matter where you worship the Father, whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. See, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23 says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Everybody say that way. For God is a spirit. And so those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Everybody say in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit. You can repeat it if you need to. For God is a spirit and those who worship him. If you are going to worship him, there is but one fundamental way. Jesus is saying, I think he has a good idea of how true and authentic worship should be, could be, would be in the earth realm. For God is a spirit and they that worship him, everybody who falls into the category of God worshipers must do so. And here is how they must do it in spirit and in truth. Bow your heads with me real quick. Father, I thank you that tonight as we open up this series more than a song over the next four or five weeks, Lord, I pray that even here in DSM, God, that you would ignite something in our hearts, in our spirits, God, that was not there before transforming us into an army of worshipers, God, and worshipers who do so in spirit 
and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So let's go to the beginning, the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1. Because in order to really talk about, and again, we have this amazing kind of these decorations you'll see kind of in the, in the lobby area. If you didn't notice, we have kind of scrolls hanging down and, and different like things relating to music. Over here, you have lyrics to different songs. But the big idea over the next four to five weeks that we're going to really, that I really want to drive in your heart is that worship is so much more than a song. Oh, it's so much more than a song. Songs we sing or instruments being played or, or lifting our hands. It's so much more. And I believe that if we can capture and get a heart, get a spirit of revelation on what actually happens whenever you, as a son and a daughter of God, really begin to worship, really begin to offer up real authentic praise to God, if you only knew what happened in the spiritual realm. There are two realms in which exists, right? The physical, the natural, things that you can see, things that you can identify with your physical sight. And then there's a whole other spiritual realm that is at work that we exist in. Two dimensions, right? And if you only knew spiritually the things that happen whenever you begin to offer real praise and real worship up to God, you'd be highly motivated to live a life of praise, a life of worship. You really got an understanding. So that's what we're going to talk about. So as we talk about worship and go to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1 and, and Genesis chapter 2, many of you are familiar with the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or void, and darkness moved, hovered upon the face of the deep, and all these different things. Then we go through creation. After the, the, after the worlds were framed, and after birds and, and fish and, and different animals were created, and the days were created, then God comes to his most prized possession, humanity, and, and God says, let us, in the Hebrew here, let us make man in our image, okay, and in our likeness, imago Dei. So it's, it's a fancy theological term that says, we have been created, we have been made in the image of God. Now, no other part of creation has the distinction and the description and the honor of being referred to as being created in the image of Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah, God, except for humanity, you and I. Everybody tracking with me? And so God making man in his image and placing him in the garden of Eden was so important. So you've got to understand that whenever God says you were created in my image, image means the resemblance or the exact likeness. It means that man resembles God and is an exact likeness to God. So God gave man his nature and then he put him in his presence. Those were God's priority for man. We get it twisted. We get so many other things and we believe that those are the priorities in our life. But for God, two main priorities, that you are walking in his image and his likeness and that you live in a place called his presence. Amen. So the garden was the ideal environment for Adam and Eve, not because of its beauty or its grandeur, but because of the manifested or the reveal or the tangible presence of God was in the garden of, of God was in the garden of Eden. 
So it wasn't that Eden was so beautiful or the trees were so pretty or the rivers were so fresh or the water tasted so good because you take away the presence of God and it just be a dirty, dingy little forest or wooded area. But because God's presence was there, there was something powerful about Eden. And there was something intentional about God placing Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, God's presence is your ideal environment. God's presence is your ideal environment. See, it's interesting that before God gave Adam Eve, God gave Adam himself. Well, that'll preach. Before God sent Eve to Adam, God sent himself, basically, to Adam and says, you need me before you need anyone or anything. His first relationship that he was concerned that Adam prioritized was the one with Almighty God. And so that's why you'll hear lots of discussion around here about having quiet time. Oh, I'm so tired of hearing about quiet times. I mean, how many times is Pastor Brandon going to say, we get it, Pastor, intercession, consecration, mission. Why is it so important to have a quiet time? Because that's the level, that's the base elementary level of having a successful relationship with God. If you can't get that right, you won't get any other relationship right, right in your life. Come on, somebody. And so that's why it's a really, really big deal that you are learning, that you're prioritizing, and that you understand that this is the most important relationship you will ever have in this life or the next, a relationship with your Creator, God, learning to hear His voice, learning to obey His ideals, His commandments, the things that He calls you to do. And so the same is for you today. The first presence that we need is not the presence of a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but the presence of a God friend. That'll preach. And so, so we, we kind of talk about this and we'll say, wait, just for a m- minute, many of us, our time and our heart and our schedule is so filled up with people. The opposite sex and just all these different things. And it's like, where is the time being created and spent and prioritized with your heavenly father? The most important being on the planet. Come back to that. The presence of God, again, you guys, is man's ideal environment. Everything functions at its maximum capacity only whenever it's in it when it's in its ideal environment. So let me give you some examples. Like, okay, how, how well would a boat do, like, on the road? Not very, you wouldn't get very far. Okay, like, how about a car in the ocean? Like, oh, I want to get, you know, I'm only just going to go out in the lake, so let me just turn my car in, in drive, and then I'll put it in reverse, and I'm going to just jump on the water, and everything's going to work out, you know, by faith. Amen. Or like, you know, like, like a teaspoon, you know, whenever you're trying to dig a hole, you say, hey, I'm trying to dig a, a massive hole in, the back, in my backyard. Somebody go grab me a teaspoon. Or sitting at the table and you're about ready to eat a bowl of cereal and you say, will you go grab the shovel out of the garage? I just, I'm really, really hungry. You know, give me a shovel for this little bitty bowl of cereal, right? Or, or, or like a fish outside of water trying to swim. It just doesn't work that way, you guys. You see what I'm saying? So, so this is how it is whenever you try to do life outside of the presence of God. 
You're like a fish out of water. You're like a car in the ocean. You're like a boat on a highway. It just does not work out. No matter how much you try to work out, no matter how cute you are, no matter how funny or gifted you are, a life outside of God's presence was never your destiny. That's not how you were created to live. So everything begins to break down in your life. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You barely have sanity because you're not in your ideal environment. You're like a teaspoon trying to be trying to dig a big hole in your backyard. Things break down and don't work out. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? Everything functions at its maximum capacity whenever it's in its ideal environment. Your ideal environment is the presence of a holy God. It's the presence of a holy God. But here's what happened. Something occurred called the fall of man. Remember Adam and Eve sinned. So man was created with this innate desire to worship. See, the, the, the issue in your life, you guys, is not, it is not whether you worship. It is who you will worship. Everybody's worshiping somebody or something. Everybody in this room is worshiping someone or something. After the fall... Due to the nature of God's presence and holiness, man had to be removed from the garden by the angel. So from that point forward, we had to fight to get back in God's presence, our ideal environment, because we have this sin nature. It doesn't come natural for mankind to worship in and of himself. You see what I'm saying? Nobody just kind of comes out of the womb singing worship songs to God or five or 12 or 13 years old just say, oh, I'm just going to worship God. No, no, no. There was a drawing. There was a, a model, probably parents or somebody leading you to Jesus or Holy Spirit drawing you. But my point is that it just doesn't, it's not automatic. You see what I'm saying? It's not, it, it, we, I know we like to make it seem that way, but it's not an automatic thing. Since the fall, we've had this fight kind of to get back in the presence of God, because so many other things compete for our attention. Worship must be a response. Worship can only come as a response to the goodness, the love, and or the Spirit of God. So if you've not encountered Him, you cannot worship Him. If you don't know Him, you cannot worship him. For worship is reserved for only those who have tasted and seen God is good. This is why the angels who cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's a response to their encounter of a holy God. They're not just saying cute words. They're getting a new revelation of who God is every moment of being in his presence. They respond to God, you are holy. Then they encounter him again. And a couple minutes later, they say, you are holy. And then they encounter him again and they get a revelation. You are holy. You are holy. We are responding to you because we have encountered the presence. Does that make sense? Worship must be a response. It's a reply to the goodness of the person of who God is. All right? It's literally a response to the love and the kindness of God. Psalm 18, 15 says, God, your gentleness has made me great. See, praise and worship, you guys. I know we like to, uh, whatever, 
Praise and worship demands an altar. Real praise and authentic worship demands, it requires an altar. What do I mean by that? Man was created, again, with this innate desire to worship God. From the fall of mankind until now, there's always been a need for an altar in order for true worship to take place. Okay? So immediately after the fall in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, we see Cain and Abel bringing an offering at an altar, okay? Noah had an altar. Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed his burnt offerings, the animals and the birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord has, um, was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood. I'll never again destroy all living things. And then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I'm just trying to say Cain and Abel had an altar. Noah had an altar. Abraham had an altar. Genesis chapter 12 verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. David and Moses had multiple altars to the Lord. And so the way into God's, pray, into God's presence is building an altar. Now, obviously, I'm not saying go, go out and grab, you know, some two by four and some wood and grab a hammer and I got to build an altar. I got to grab a chicken or like a, anything I can find around here and I'm a sacrifice to the Lord. So as Brady said, it requires an altar. That's not what I'm saying. An altar, you guys, is representative of a place where sacrifices are made. David makes this statement in Scripture. He says, I will not offer to the Lord that which does not cost me something. Essentially, David was saying, I will never offer up a sacrifice of praise or worship to God that doesn't cost me something. Because David understood, even in the Old Testament, that God wasn't, that it's not that God was so excited about somebody building him a physical altar, but it's the altar of your heart where we make sacrifices and we say, Jesus, there's a hundred other things I could be doing, but I'm sacrificing those things because you are better. If you come here for the right reasons on Wednesday night, and I won't assume that everybody does, but for those of you who do, it's a sacrifice of worship to God because you could be at home in video games or reading weird books or doing homework or just playing on your phone, whatever. But those of you who come for the right reason, the Lord looks down and says, that is a sacrifice of worship. And it's good in my sight. And in this I am pleased and I am honored. You see what I'm saying? Psalm 100 says this, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. You guys, there's something about offering up praises to God in a celebratory way where we say, you know what, Lord, I'm ready to come into your presence tonight. There are two times in your life when you should praise the Lord. One, when you feel like it. Two, when you don't. That's it. Only two times to offer up authentic, sacrificial praise to God when you feel like it and when you don't. Praise 
literally, you guys, attracts the presence of God to your life. You want to encounter God in a new way? Begin to authentically praise Him. Begin to really, begin to pour out your heart to Him like, like nobody else is watching, like nobody else is in the room, even if there are people in the room. See, it's those people where the Lord says, I am so, my pra- I, I can't help myself. You see what I'm saying? The Lord is like a praise addict. I mean, he's like a praise junkie. So anytime that real praise and worship are being offered up, he says, I have to be there. Oh, do you believe that? I mean, honestly, do you believe that even you, whenever you're by yourself at home, in your room, nobody else around, and you begin to lift up your hands to God, you've got to know this, that he literally moves his heart and he comes and says, I have to be close to you. I've got to be right there with you. He is a praise addict. He loves, not because he's egotistical. Okay, I'm not saying that. You you missed the point if you say, but there's something where God says where I am praised. That's where I'll pour out my glory. You want to see the best in God? You want to see God do great and mighty things in your generation? You get, you start having a daily consistent time of praise and worship to him. Doesn't take a rocket scientist for this doesn't take a whole lot of intellect or a whole lot of knowledge. just takes a willing heart to say, Lord, I'm here. I will praise you. Oh, yes, I, I will praise you. If nobody else praises you, God, God I, I will offer up praises to your name. Praise literally attracts the presence of God to us. Praise is celebrating God as our heart's true home. Praise is celebrating God as our heart's true home. Listen to First Chronicles 29 and 20. It says, Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. You guys, all I'm saying tonight at the beginning of this More Than a Song series we're going to look at different things. We're going to look at may even the difference between praise and worship because there is a difference, even in Hebrew language. And, and whenever you begin to study, there's various forms of praise and ways in which you pray. You don't just get to, well, this is just praise to God. You know, I'm going to play my video game, and that's my praise to God because it really, you know, that's just my heart, Pastor Brandon. You know, I'm going to kick this football, and that's my praise to God. Okay, that sounds cute, but that ain't biblical. Oh, I know we like to tell, but you can worship God in whatever way you want to. Well, yes and no, because Jesus himself said, they that worship the Father must do so a certain way in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And I want us to look at what was Jesus really saying there? What was the, what was the heart behind it? What does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth. What's the importance of, of honoring God and honoring his presence, even whenever we gather for DSM on a Wednesday night? What's the big deal about whenever worship is going on? Why does Pastor Brandon come and tap me on the shoulder and then I roll my, and roll my eyes and like he doesn't see me and get a filthy little nasty attitude like a little demon? Why, why, is, why, why is that? Why is that? You know who you are. Okay. Okay. So, 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 this, is, so this, is the, this is the reason because you're not understanding you don't understand what's taking place. And so we have grace with you. Our different DLA camera, we want to have grace with you. We want to we help you 
to understand. You've got to grow up. You've got to begin to mature. You can't be, what if we were all walking around here in diapers and crawling around on our hands and knees and said, hey, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's cute at three years old. It's not so cute at 14 or 15. And so in the same way, DSM, we've got to come to a place where we begin to mature in our worship and our praise where we say, you know what? These are holy moments. And I will not open up my mouth to talk to you. I don't care how cute you are. God's cuter. He's better. He's more anointed. He's going to be the one helping me whenever you're home at sleep and I'm going through issues and you won't return my little text message. It's going to be God that's going to be there for me. It's God who can heal me. It's God who can save me. It's God who can fulfill me and sustain me and complete me and make me whole. Not you, you, or you. You're nice, but you can't do it for me. And so I will not offer to God that which does not cost me something, David said. And so there's power, you guys, whenever we begin to offer up a sacrifice of praise and worship to God. We worship him in such a way that we don't even care who can see us. We don't care who is around us different expressions and different forms of praise, even in Hebraic or in the Hebrew mindset, times of worship where they would prostrate themselves. Literally, they would just lay on their faces before God. Times of celebratory praise where it wasn't time to be quiet and hush-hush, but it was a time for a war cry to literally be raised up from Israel. There's times whenever, even in a worship service where, man, it's, it's a moment where we just offer God a praise and then chains begin to break just because... We praise him and people are healed just because we begin praising him and glorifying him in such a way that the world will look at us and say, there must be a God. He's got to be real. Either he's real or all of you are crazy. Come on. So as the worship team comes tonight, you guys, I just wanted us to open up and spend a few minutes tonight. We'll be in the series for about four five weeks again, and we're going to go deeper, but I just kind of wanted to give you an introduction of what we're going to be talking about. This will be a great time for you to invite friends for this series, because we're going to talk about why do we worship God? I mean, what's the big deal? And how do we worship Him? And how do we praise Him in such a way that literally all of heaven is attracted to you? All of heaven stands at attention whenever the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believer begins to open up his or her mouth and offer up praises and authentic and sacrificial worship to God. Does that make sense to you all tonight? As the worship team comes, I just want to just pray a prayer at the beginning of this series, you guys, that deep in your heart, deep in your heart, there would be a fresh longing, a fresh desire, a fresh heart of worship to God where you begin to understand it is so much more than a song that we sing. It is a life that I live, and it is a life that I will live whenever it's popular and whenever it's not so cool. It's a life that I will live out in moments where it is trendy and acceptable, and even in times and moments where I know people are going to think I'm absolutely nuts. I'll do it because I love him. Because my worship is a response to this God that I have encountered. Does that make sense to you all tonight? 
going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to sing even just a closing worship chorus, just all together. And I want to challenge you, let it even begin tonight, where you say, you know what? I am so not interested in what people think about me. I am so not interested about, you know, in, in what people, I, I could care less. We're going to talk about the spirit of the fear of the Lord during this worship series, because the real, the real solution the real, the real freedom, the real deliverance happens for those of you who are so consumed with the fear of man. The remedy to the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. For you fear God more than you fear man. And so that's what we're going to be asking him. Because I do believe 100% that there is a worshiping generation here within DSM. There's a worshiping generation here within DSM that is yet to come forth, that is yet to be raised up. Yes, we've seen great things, you guys. Yes, we've seen powerful things even over the last years and months and weeks and even days. But I never want us to become complacent. You never become satisfied with where you are in God. There is always more. You can always go deeper. Amen. Amen. I want all the worshipers to stand to your feet tonight. I want to pray over you as we worship the Lord together tonight. Come on, if you're a worshiper, just go down and lift up your hands. Thank you, Jesus, that you alone are worthy. And as your sons and your daughters, we make a fresh commitment tonight that our worship will be more than a song. It will be more than cute words that we read on a, on a projector screen or in a book or, or read online or on our cell phones. But Lord, we pray that our worship would literally be a lifestyle that erupts from our hearts. So Lord Jesus, in order to worship you, we've got to encounter you. We've got to see you because worship is a response to who you are. So let us see you even now in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.